At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed, have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters five through seven to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. Remember the Alamo. Have you heard that phrase before? Remember the Alamo. Maybe if you remember that old Disney film with Davy Crockett in it that ran around uh, quite a bit. It was the cry of the Texan army that attacked uh, the Mexican army at their encampment outside Lynchburg Ferry on April 21st, 1836. After just about a month earlier being heavily routed at the Battle of the Alamo, the Texan forces that were remaining under General Sam Houston launched a counterattack fighting for freedom against Mexico. That, that Battle of the Alamo, though, was a pivotal moment in, in Texan history. It was a 13-day siege by the Mexican armies against this mission in what is now modern San Antonio, Texas. It lasted from late February to early March. There was over 100 both soldiers and civilians uh, encamped in and, and settled in the mission at the Alamo itself. And from the attack of the Mexican army, only three people survived. They were all civilians. There was just a, a drop of mercy that was shown to the Texan forces there by uh, the Mexican general Santa Ana. Uh, on their counterattack at the battle, uh, a little bit later at Lynchburg Ferry, General Houston's men all cried out, remember the Alamo, remember what happened there so that we would never lose again. Do you, do you have a remember the Alamo kind of cry for your own life? Just, just a statement or a declaration that helps you in your battle against Satan and sin and death? Is there a rally cry from your heart that, that helps you remember who you are and remember what has happened, that, that reminds you of the rest that you have in God and the peace that you have with him through Christ? Do you have a rally cry? I'd like to give you one this morning. I'd like to, to offer you a rally cry like Remember the Alamo today, but I'll say it this way. The rally cry is Remember your baptism. Remember your baptism. You might say, no, what does that have to do with anything? How can that be a rally cry for my heart and for my life and my battle against Satan and sin and death? How, how does Remember my baptism become something that, that spurs me on and encourages me? Well, I want to show us this this morning. We're in this passage in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. We're in this series called Newish. Everything has changed. Have you? Many of us have the longing for and the desire to be new people. We, we long to be created new in Christ. And that's what the, the scripture declares that we are. We are new creations in him. But oftentimes as we evaluate our lives and as we look at how we live, we feel stuck. We feel like we're not making progress. We're not moving forward and experiencing the life of being new creatures in Christ that we're created to be. Well, Paul in Romans 5 through 7, in this passage that we're looking at over these many weeks in this series, he is designing and, and teaching the Roman Christians and us as well to see who we are in God. 
He wants to equip us to fight the battle of our sin well. And he wants us to see by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can overcome by the grace of God in us that we can defeat through his work Satan, sin, and death in our lives. We don't have to be stuck as being just kind of newish kind of people, but we can experience the reality of being new people in Christ. And in this section, in these verse seven verses this morning, Paul offers to us a battle cry. He says, as you go to war against your sin, as you fight, remember your baptism. Remember what it means. And he tells us this because of the significance that baptism has for our everyday, ordinary lives. I want to show us here, as Paul talks about this in verses 1 through 7, I want to show us and point us to two testimonies that our baptism signifies. Two messages that it sends to us and to the world and, and helps us understand and have this rally cry about how we are to live fighting Satan's sin and death, how we can be ones who overcome and grow in Christ. Well, let me, let me show you the first testimony that our baptism signifies there. It's in verses 1 through 4, and it's this. Our baptism testifies to us that we have died to sin, that we have died to sin. We're no longer alive to sin, but we have died to it. Now, Paul's been telling us about the work of Christ his singular act, Jesus' singular act of obedience for us. We saw that last week as he contrasted both Adam and his singular act of disobedience, which doomed us all, and Christ, whose singular act of obedience on the cross saves and justifies us all. As Paul has been telling us about the work of Christ, he's been telling us as Christ's grace abounds, it overcomes, it abounds and covers a multitude of sins. This is what he says in verse 20. He says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Grace abounded all the more, even though sin increased. Now Paul hears this, and he hears the question that some people, maybe in the Roman church, begin to ask. Maybe they're discussing it as they're reading this letter for the first time. Certainly Paul's probably heard this from other churches and other Christians that he's been teaching this reality to. And the question is there in verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? That's the, that's the issue. If, if, if our sinning keeps abounding and God's grace keeps abounding, well, if we just do math right here, shouldn't we sin more so that grace gets bigger and bigger? Like the more sin, the more grace. And so let's just lift up God's grace and just be sinful people all the time, everywhere. Should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Paul is, Paul is really wrestling with this. In Adam, we saw death pervaded to all men. In Christ, life. And, and so he's asking and answering the question, what realm do you live in? If we think that being justified in Christ and being in Christ means that we can now live however we want, and we can practice and continue and walk in sin, we're just, we're just free. We got the get out of jail, get out of hell card free. We can live now however we like and sin, just let it pile up so that God's grace piles up all the more. Paul has one clear answer for us. Verse 2, by no means, absolutely not. In the Greek, this is a really, really emphatic statement. No way. It's impossible. Don't, don't even let it hit your mind that you're sinning more and you just mounting that up will, will increase God's grace all the more. Don't, don't live that way. And he points out the reality of this. He says at the end of verse 2, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Now, now Paul 
question here is drawing out a spiritual reality of our union with Christ. He's pointing out that we have been united with Christ. Those who have believed and trusted in Jesus have been justified by God and they have peace with him. They're in Christ, no longer in Adam anymore. And they, being in Christ, are united with him, having died to sin. That is to say, if you've been justified by faith, if you've placed your hope and trust in Jesus alone, by faith alone, then you are in Christ. And your status in regard to sin is that you are dead to it. You are dead to sin. Sin no longer holds any mastery or power or dominion over you. What good news is here? Notice the tense of the verbs here in verse 2. How can we who died, past tense, it's pointing out something that happened in the past, still live to sin, future tense? How can we keep going on in it? What Paul's pointing out is that those who have been united with Christ, those who are in Christ by faith, are dead to the power and dominion of sin over us. What that means is you don't have to live enslaved to sin. I'll draw out more of this in just a moment, but, but I think the struggle that we, we think about is, well, am I really dead to sin? How do I know that's true? Maybe perhaps you've never heard this before, that those who are in Christ, who've been justified by faith, positionally are declared dead to sin, and, and you haven't been taught that, and so you don't know what to do with that. You don't know how to remind yourself of that. How does, how does this spiritual reality that you're dead to sin have any physicality in the lives that we live day in and day out? I mean, how do you know that you are dead to sin? Well, let me put it this way. Maybe I'll just be just a hint sarcastic here for just a moment. I wonder if, wouldn't it be nice if there were just some sort of sign or symbol or event, something, something that I could look back on in my life and go, oh, yeah, that was an anchor point for me of when, when things actually changed. I, I would really like that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be great if we had something just to remind us of that? We do. It's our baptism. There it is, the ordinance of baptism. This is what Paul says in verse 3. Now let me define what baptism is here for us. Baptism is the washing with water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It signifies and seals our adoption into Christ, our cleansing from sin, and our commitment to belong to the Lord and to his church. That's from the New City Catechism, a recent uh, document that helps us articulate and explain our faith. Let me state it one more time. Baptism is the washing of water with, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It signifies and seals our adoption into Christ, our cleansing from sin, and our commitment to belong to the Lord and to his church. Now, this is what Scripture says here in verse 3. Says, Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Twice here, Paul points out baptism in this, in this verse. First, he describes to us the object of our baptism, that we have been baptized, all those who have been baptized, this is the way he puts it, have been baptized into Christ. That is to say, positionally, you are in Jesus. You're identifying with him. A baptism was a religious activity that wasn't just exclusive to Christianity in the first century. The Jews practiced a baptism of repentance, including them into the Jewish faith. Some of the Greek mystery religions had a baptismal or, or ceremonial washing rite that was an, an introductory rite into their religions. But Paul here is speaking specifically of the initiating rite of a new Christian emerging and entering into the faith and the community of faith 
the church. He's talking about Christians coming into Jesus and to his people. To be baptized into Jesus is more than just being immersed in water, but it is, as theologian Michael Bird put it, baptism recalls the entire event of conversion and initiation. Baptism is the sign and seal that believers have entered into the story of Jesus' death and resurrection, and its liberating power is manifested in them. So we're being baptized into Christ. Christian baptism is completely distinct. It has a new reality. It's not just getting wet, but it is signifying a spiritual union with the Lord Jesus. Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, then he says, were baptized into his death. Here's the second statement of baptism in this verse. It is that our baptism is a symbol. And here's what the symbol represents. It represents our union with Christ. Being baptized represents our union with Jesus in his death in particular. That is to say the believer is, through baptism, identifying that they have been united, they've been joined with Christ Jesus, and that when he died on the cross, they died to sin as well. So what is spiritual, that we have died to sin, is represented in baptism in a physical way in that we are being buried and we have died and are being buried with Jesus Christ. We are united with him. That's what Paul references in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Baptism displays that union, that you died to sin. When Jesus went to the cross, you died with him. When he laid down his life, there you were with him, spiritually in him. Your death is a death to sin. In our union with Christ, there's a mysterious spiritual reality that we participated with Jesus in his death, that we were united with Christ on the cross. His death was our death as well. Baptism, then, is a reenactment of that death and burial with Jesus. And it's our participation, our union with Christ in that event. So here's what Paul says in verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Just as Jesus Christ died, so we died as well. Just as he was buried, so we are dead and buried to sin as well. Sin doesn't hold the dominating power over your life, the enslaving power over your life any longer. We don't live in sin because we're dead to it. We've died with Christ. We don't continue in sin. We don't mount up sin. We don't live to abound in sin so that grace may abound all the more. Our union with Christ is represented in his death. And in our baptism, we display our union with him saying, nope, we're dead to sin. Has no more power. We've been buried to sin. It doesn't rule us anymore. When we think about sin and our relationship to its power and dominion, we can look back on our baptism and say, oh, yeah, I remember that day. I remember I'm in Christ. I'm di- I've died to sin. has no power over me any longer. If you're married, let me help you think about this. If you're married, think about what the ring on your left hand signifies. It places you in a relationship to the person you've made promises to and the status that you have with that person. The ring is the sign or the symbol of that status you have with them. It reminds you of the vows that you made on your wedding day. 
It tells you that you promise to love and to cherish and honor in sickness and health for richer or poorer until death do you part. The ring, as you look at it on your finger, it reminds you of that day, and it's a way, it's, it's kind of proclaiming to you, remember your marriage. Baptism says you're dead to sin. Remember, remember what Christ has done for you. Remember sin holds no power over you. The status of that relationship is over because of your union with Christ. So remember your baptism. Remember your baptism in Christ. We are dead to sin. And not only that, baptism secondly signifies that we are free to walk in a new life. That we're free to walk in a new life. Now, let me share with you why we practice baptism by immersion. Some of you have asked this before. Why do we dunk people in a tank and then bring them up out again? In baptism, a person is immersed under the water. That represents death and burial. So we lay them down into the water. They're being identified with Christ in his death and in his burial. But we don't just leave them in the water, right? I mean, there's, no, there's nobody hanging out in there that we've left for a while now. Oh, there. Christian baptism has, has them emerge up. We bring them up out of the water. They're raised up. This symbol portrays the greater reality. The reality is, there in verse 4 again, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. A baptism tells us that gospel story, that Jesus came and that he lived for us and that he died for us and that he was raised for us again. Paul here says that Christ was raised by the glory of the Father. That is to say that the Father received and accepted the sacrifice of the Son and that Jesus was vindicated in his resurrection, he was vindicated. The Father vindicated his sacrifice by raising him to life again. The Father in his glory raising the Son through the Spirit. You see, death isn't the final word. Jesus is alive. He has been vindicated. He is raised. He is ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now that event occurred some 2,000 years ago. But what does it have to do with our relationship to sin today? How do you and I... Remember to fight our sin today because of what happened 2,000 years ago. The point, the, Paul's point here about what, is about what baptism signifies. If we are united to Christ, then, look at the end of verse 4, we too might walk in newness of life. Just as our immersion into the water signifies that we have died with Christ to sin, So our being raised up out of the water signifies that we have been raised with Christ and we now have a new life and a new trajectory. We're dead to sin and now we're able to live as new people because of the resurrection of Jesus and our union with Christ in his resurrection. Baptism is all about our union with Jesus. We've died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. We've died to sin. We're raised to new life, to walk in newness of life. Here's how the logic works in verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Paul is just connecting the two realities. Jesus died and he was raised. If we have died with him, so we too will be raised. The, The word united here means pertaining to being closely associated with in a similar experience. We are closely associated, intimately linked with Christ and his death. And we are united with him 
in his resurrection as well. As we have experienced our death to sin in the crucifixion of Christ, in our union with Jesus, we also enjoy his resurrection. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day and given a new glorious body and life, so we too, this is the Christian hope, we too will be raised again, newness of life, glorified with God forever. And you might think, well, that's, that's great. That's some sort of future thing. But this has a, a reality in our lives today. It's working itself out in our lives even now. It's a present reality. We are currently to be walking and living as new people in resurrection life. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts it. We keep company with Jesus alive and present. That's our lives and our walks with him today. Keeping company with him. Realizing he's alive. He is present with us. And so we too are alive in him. Our baptism helps us remember and call to mind our resurrection life. That we have been raised to walk in newness of life. Now how this has all kinds of implications for us ethically. Think about how we're to live in new life. We're to be holy people as Christ is holy. We are to use our words to love and affirm and encourage one another. We are to to live, to love our neighbors and to serve them. All of our life as a new life is displaying the goodness of God. You could sum it up in two ways, that we are called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the walking in newness of life. Now, Paul summarizes all of verses 1 through 5 in the last two verses here, in verses 6 and 7. He says that we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. In our union with Christ, our old self, that is our sinful nature, our past life, the life of sin that just dominated us, friends, it was crucified with Christ. That old nature, dead. And in Christ's crucifixion was our own crucifixion. Why? So that the power of sin would be made obsolete or impotent, therefore freeing us from that power. Let me say it very clearly. Those who are in Christ are no longer enslaved to sin. Friends, if you're in Christ, you don't live under the dominating power of sin any longer. You don't have to have to sin anymore. You're freed. Again, let me quote Eugene Peterson in the message translation. He says, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer it sins every beck and call. We're not under the power of sin. We're in fact free. Friends, if you're in Christ, you're free from sin. You're alive to God. You don't have to sin anymore. Some people say, well, I just have to. It's my nature. I just I can't avoid temptation. I can't, I can't get around it. I can't give it up. In Christ, if you've been crucified with Christ, you are free from sin, the power of it. It may take some help and some resources and some friends and some prayers to free you and to liberate you from that, but you don't have to stand as a defeated foe any longer. By God's grace and power in Christ, you have the ability through the Spirit to resist, to go to battle, to fight your sin. He says this in verse 7, For the one who has died has been set free from sin. We've been liberated. 
Literally, literally the term there, being set free, is the term justified. We have been justified from sin. No longer declared guilty, but now declared righteous and liberated. Baptism shows us and points us and reminds us of that reality. It's that cry that says, hey, remember, friend. Remember, you're dead to sin, and you're alive now to walk in a new life. Now, here's why this is important. Not just baptism for baptism's sake, but baptism gives us a waypoint on our spiritual journey of who we are and who we are united with. I like to think about it like this. I, I, when I go hiking on a new trail or a place I haven't been before, I, I like to get a, a travel guide, just a booklet that tells me about the trail and what I'm going to see along it and just where some of the things are. And, and a good travel guide will t- mark out some waypoints. It'll say, as you go along the trail thus far, you'll see this waterfall. Or if you keep hiking up that way, you'll reach this little fork in the road. And they mark out these waypoints for us that say, you are here. If you've ever been to Disney or to a big amusement park or, or even to a big mall, and you're looking for a place, you're trying to find where you're at, and you go up to the directory, and you can look for and just find the thing that says, you are here, and that locates you on the map. Baptism helps us as a, as a physical reminder that you are here. You are in Christ. Baptism identifies to us our death to sin and our resurrection in Christ, in him. One of the, maybe it's a little bit apocryphal, but it's certainly a good story nonetheless. One of the stories about Martin Luther, the great reformer, was that he was hiding in a castle, in the Wittenberg Castle. This is true. But as he was there, he would spend his time translating the New Testament and the Bible into German, into the common language of the people. But in that time, a deep and dark depression uh, came over Martin Luther. He, he felt attacked by the devil. And some say that he, at one time, in, in just having a battle with the devil, he threw his inkwell at the devil. There's a smot on the wall, I guess, there. But he had perhaps a better strategy. Some have said that he could be heard on the grounds of the castle yelling out, I am baptized. One author says how Luther felt was up and down. His circumstances looked bleak. But his baptism was a fact. And it was a fact that embodied the promise of God. He felt he had little fight left. But the truth was that in all the ways that eternally mattered, the fight was not his. God had already fought for him and won for him. And he could point back to his baptism and say, I've died to sin. I'm alive to God. That event tells me so. So he asked the question, how can we be new? Well, here's the truth to enable you to defeat sin in your life and to be new people, to live new lives. It's to ask the question, who are you? Who are you? Romans 5, 1 through 11 says that we have been justified with God. By faith in Christ, we have peace with God now. Romans 5, 12 through 21 says that we are in Christ, no longer in Adam, but we are in Christ, gifted his righteousness, reigning in life with him. And now Paul tells us, here's who you are. Here's how the power that you have to defeat sin in your life. Think about who you are. You are dead to sin and you are alive to God because you are united with Christ. And that's displayed in our baptism. So what does that mean for how we live? It means simply that our walk should match our baptism. Our walk should match our baptism. What we proclaimed in being baptized, dead to sin, alive to God, 
should be lived out in our everyday lives, that we are new people. I don't have to sin. In fact, I'm dead to sin. I can obey God and walk in holiness and please him and love my neighbor. I'm alive to God. I've been raised with Christ. Our walk should match our baptism. So let me make just a few concluding applications for us here. Let me help us make this real in our lives. First, on the issue of baptism itself. Paul here links very carefully a physical event that displays a spiritual reality, an external action that reveals an internal union, an inward union. Everyone who has been born again should take the step of baptism. If you placed your faith in Jesus, baptism is how you identify publicly as a Christian. It identifies to you Christ's union with you. Baptism, the scriptures speak, uh, teaches, is something that follows our conversion after we come to faith. Baptism is a gift of love for every believer from God to help remind us and to strengthen us and confirm to us our union in him. So let me just say this. If you have not been baptized and yet you have believed, especially if you've been putting it off and maybe kicking it down the road, don't delay any longer. You're robbing yourself of the gift that God has given in this symbol to help remind you of who you are, to give you a rally cry, to say, I'm dead to sin, I'm alive to God. And I know you might have some objections to that. You might say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of speaking in public. Like it really shatters my bones to have to think I've got to get up there and, and say some things, talk to all these people. Well, you don't, have to, you don't have to give a testimony. You just have to affirm your faith. We don't want to create extra barriers that would keep you from walking in obedience. You might say, well, I'm, I'm afraid I'll embarrass myself. Friend, you won't be embarrassed. We wouldn't let that happen. You might think, well, I have to be a good enough person to get baptized. I mean, don't I have to be really holy and really clean to get baptized? Baptism is the initiating act. It's the start point of our faith. It's all about grace. So no, you don't have to be a perfect Christian or a really mature believer or really, really holy. You've just got to be starting out in Jesus. You might say, well, my schedule doesn't allow it. I, I just don't know when I can do it. Guess what? We filled the tank today. I mean this. I'm ready to talk to you immediately after the service, after this sermon this morning. We'll sing a few songs and we'll prepare to baptize you. We have some extra clothes that are set up there so you can change in that, proper clothing. Why wait? We're ready. Are you? We can see this through. If not today, if not today, this tank is ready every third Sunday of the month. We're waiting. We're, we're eager for this. We want you to have an anchor point, a waypoint in your life that you are united with Christ. You're dead to sin and you're alive to God. So don't put it off. Let's do it. I'm ready. One other objection there might be that you say, well, I was baptized as an infant. The truth of the New Testament demonstrates that baptism is a fact, it's a reality after our conversion and regeneration. And I want to ask, how can you say, remember your baptism and your union with Christ if as an infant you really can't remember your baptism? Your parents brought you to that act. They made that decision. You didn't. You can't. Baptism is for believers. And so if you've been baptized as an infant, I want to encourage you to see the, the New Testament reality of it for us, the church. It's a proclamation of our faith in Christ following our conversion. It is that waypoint for you to say, I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to Christ. So you need to get baptized. We want to help you with that. Well, that's about baptism, but here let's have a final application for us as a church family. 
Think about what good news this is here. I need reminders. I have a a need for points of reference all the time about who I am, and I'm sure you do as well, about who you are and how to live. And, and we get so bogged down in our sin. We just feel, we feel inadequate. We feel like we can't do it. Friend, this reminds us, union with Christ reminds us that you aren't stuck having to sin. You aren't impotent in growing in Christ, even if it's only small steps and few degrees. Your walk with Christ and your walk in Christ can match the reality of your baptism. You're dead to sin. Well, good news. You're alive to God. Remember your baptism. Remember those realities. It's freeing for us in our union with Christ and what Jesus has done to bring us into himself. We're alive to God. I can't wait to tell you more about that next week. But the cry for us today, remember your baptism. Remember who you are. Let this be a rally cry for you against Satan. Think back and reflect on that day you were baptized. When you stood in the waters and you declared, I believe in Jesus. I'm united to him. Well, good news for you to say now, oh yes, I can fight sin. I'm dead to it. I'm alive to God. Let this be a declaration to you of your union with Christ in his death and resurrection and power for you to walk in newness of life. Let's pray. If you want to get baptized this morning, see me right out here as we sing. I'll just ask a few questions of you, and we'll get ready, and we'll worship the Lord together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for Christ, what he has done for us, his death on our behalf for our sins, his life to provide the perfect obedience that we need, and his resurrection to give us hope of new life and make us new creatures. Lord, we thank you even for the gift of baptism, which reminds us of who we are in Jesus. And so, Lord, this morning, we thank you. We pray that as your spirit works, that we would walk with you in obedience, that we would follow you, and that we would grow as new people. Continue your work in our hearts, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.